Welcome back to the Flat Out RC Podcast, Episode 6. My name is Andrew Sill, and here at the Flat Out RC Podcast, we talk all things aero modelling. That's right, radio control aircraft is our thing here at Flat Out RC. And I'll tell you what, jam-packed show today. Uh, special guest, Martin Brandmuller, good friend of mine all the way from Austria. Managed to catch up with him uh, over the internet and have a good chat with him. Uh, good bloke he is, Martin. So that is coming up. But before we get to that, what's been happening out there in the world? Well, not much in the hobby scene. Uh, haven't seen much going on out on the social forums as far as model flying goes, because I think that a lot of us have been cooped up in our houses. I know that here in Australia, things are starting to open up. And as I record this, it's a Monday evening uh, on May the 11th, and the Victorian state government where I live has announced that basically we can get back to flying. And the big the big hit, uh, thing for me today was literally seeing the government in a government document having a reference to model flying. So they had a bit of an FAQ section. Now that they've relaxed some of the regulations, uh, they put out uh, on their website, one of the government websites, sort of some messages around uh, the de-restrictions, as I call it, and they actually referred to model flying. Now, I'll read out what they said. The question was, can I fly a hobby plane? Yes, you are allowed to fly a hobby plane, model plane, or kite. You should keep a distance of 1.5 metres between yourself and others. So we've got the green light to get back flying again down in my part of the world, which is very big news for a lot of people. We've been cooped up in our sheds, building model aircraft. And I must say, I've actually really enjoyed lockdown. I've been quite calm. I haven't been too stressed. You know, a lot of us are, you know, could, could get stressed over the situation, especially those that may have lost their, their, their livelihood, their income. And it's an unfortunate situation and my business has taken a hit. But I don't know, personally, I've been quite upbeat and I've really enjoyed that, almost the structure that lockdown has provided. What I mean by that is, well, we don't have as much choice as what we can what we can do on a weekend. So for me, it's been getting into the shed and finishing some projects, which I'm just so happy that I've finished. I've done a couple bit more, a couple more work on my, my Viper jet uh turbine that i've been working on i, I made a mistake i'll do something again so could have spent some time doing that i but I, i've got another 100 cc a finished aerobatic plane that um i've had in the shed for a long time so that's ready to go so i'm really going to be disappointed almost in a way that we have to go back flying but it's good news for everybody. We can get back flying. Now, there is a, there is seems to be a bit of a proviso at the moment, which is, yes, we can go flying, but we've got to still keep one and a half metres away from everybody. And you're only allowed to have 10 members at a, at a club at a time. So 10 members at a time. It's, it's, uh, there are a lot of club meetings happening, literally as I speak, trying to work out what to do about the whole situation. Now, well, it's a helicopter flying over me. Crikey. Well, helicopters are allowed to still fly out there. So I've got a helicopter going over the top. Don't know where you can hear it. But yeah, a lot of clubs, uh, committees are, are now sort of getting together and trying to work out how they're going to manage 10 people at the club. What do you think they'll do? Do you think it'll be like first 10 in and if you're 11th, pack up and go home or wait for someone to leave? Or will there be a roster? Or will there be um, a ballot that allows you to go flying? Or will you have to fill out some form? So it's going to be it's going to be pretty difficult. And the thing that I say to everybody is let's just relax there's no great situation here or you know better solution that can be put in place as far as managing 10 people at the flying field uh you know it's 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 very complex for some something like a flying club to manage because they're not paid staff the committee aren't paid staff they're all volunteers they've all got other things to do in their lives often work and other commitments so for them to create lavish systems and how we're going to manage 10 members at a time is difficult now a lot of you know that it's rare for many clubs where you have 10 members at a time turn up. Some of the bigger ones, yes. But you know, out in the country, if you've got 10 members, you'd probably call it an event. But here in Melbourne, where I am, a lot of clubs at certain times won't even have 10 members. My local club turn up on a Saturday afternoon, you'd probably be the only one there. So it's a really, really tricky one. And good luck to the committees. I feel sorry for you having to work it all out. The thing is, I think I can't remember. I think these restrictions might stay for the next three weeks. Then after that, they might be relaxed even further. So 
I looked at the forecast. Yeah, it's going to be flyable on the weekend, this coming weekend. I can't get out there. I'm, I just bought a motorbike. How stupid am I? I went and bought a dirt bike. And so I've got to go and do my motorbike learner's test this weekend. So I can't go flying this weekend. Uh, but the following weekend, I possibly could. So looking forward to that. We are coming into wintertime down here in the southern states of Australia, especially down here in Victoria. It can get mighty cold. And historically, I don't do a lot of flying over winter because... It's just too cold and the weather's bad and sometimes rainy and wet and the strips are sold, soaked and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know how much flying I'm going to do this, this winter. Plus, I've got some other activities. It's ski season too. In winter, you go skiing down here in Victoria. So it, it's going to be tricky. But I'm hoping to get out there. I, I'm really looking forward to getting to a jet event, flying my jet, getting it certified and having a bit of a fly and joining in with the, uh, the turbine crowd and uh, enjoying a different style of model. And then I'm also looking forward to get my 100ccs up. And before you know it, spring is going to be upon us. And that brings me to my next little segment that I just want to have a chat about. Now, normally I'll talk about latest product news that's happening out there in the hobby. And there's not a lot happening. I think a lot of businesses are sort of on a bit of a hiatus as far as launching products. We may see some more coming up as we head towards the the, the US summer. Um, US is the biggest market for the hobby, so we'll see what happens with some new new announcements. We know the Extreme Flight announced a lot of new planes, but uh, there's a few engines in development. I know that uh, GP Motors have got, a, I think, a 38cc uh, gasser coming out. Um, we'll see if we can get some info on that. But... Um, and DLE are working on some new new uh, motors as well. But besides that, haven't seen a lot out there. But So I just want to use this little few moments to talk about events. I know there's not event season at the moment, but events are coming up. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I've always said that I love events. I love meeting new people and I love seeing aircraft that I don't normally see at my local field. Now, if you're that kind of member that just sticks to your own club, you're missing out on a lot if you go to the club and everyone's flying ultra sticks and things like that, that's all you're going to ever notice. But if you get out there and you see what other planes are out there, it broadens your horizon. You get to see more, uh, learn more. You know, I've learned a lot by attending events and talking to people about their models and about motors and props and uh, coverings and you name it, even just being able to identify different models. So all in all, I love events. And, and as I said, we're not in event season here at the moment. That They'll kick off probably in September. Uh, really looking forward to the Valley Radio Flyers out in Shepparton holding their Mammoth Scale event. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it's going to be up and running by then. We'll be allowed to do it. I, I, my gut feel is, yeah, we will be able to. Uh, I think that uh, I think that, that we will be up and running uh, pretty shortly, uh, by, by September at least. So looking forward to that. Which leads me sort of into uh, an event that I want to sort of talk about, which will lead into our guest, uh, our guest uh, interviewer, or aero modeler, and that is the the China Top Show event, which I've been to now three times over in China, and I must say I've loved every single visit over to China, and it really it ticks all the boxes for me. First of all, great people. Absolutely phenomenal bunch of people. The friendliest bunch of people you could ever meet. Led by Frank Liu, a good friend of mine now. Uh, he organises the event. and But now, when you go back to the same event, it's an aerobatic event, uh, when you go back to such an event, you you end up recognising the, the competitors. And even though often we're not speaking the same language, a bit of a wave and you know, uh, shake of the hand and that kind of thing is always a good thing to see that familiar face. But the thing I love about that event is uh, they fly aerobatics, freestyle aerobatics, which is something that I really enjoy. They're all flying large-scale uh, aerobatic planes, so you get to see the latest and greatest planes that are out there and how they fly and how people fly them. You get to see the pilots progress. You know, it's kind of it's a very sort of it's a competition, but it's a very relaxed kind of competition. But you get to see pilots progressing, and I've always been there as a as a guest judge. And then there's the food and the culture and to see how uh, uh, how the hobby runs in another country. And China is very, very impressive. The hobby is actually growing in China. A lot of the Chinese manufacturers are really now focusing on the internal market, as they call it, because the rest of the market's sort of not doing as well whilst China's economy is quite good and people have money to spend and looking for hobbies and, and flying ticks the box for, for a lot of people. They're really, really passionate, especially in the aerobatic scene. 
And that's where I met Martin Brandmuller. Martin is a, a, a gun aerobatics pilot out of uh, Austria, and he's been invited to the event uh, three times now to basically judge, but also do demonstration flights to try to mentor the locals and show and give them something to aspire to. You know, it's something that we don't do enough of here in Australia. You know, we need to get some guns out there. Last year, we were fortunate to have a, a few international guns, such as Sasha Giacconi, come from Italy. Actually, he was in China with me. Then he came to Australia and competed at the national IMAC competition and did freestyle as well. But in China, what they're doing is they're grabbing really good pilots from around the world and bringing them to to showcase the talent, to mentor the locals and motivate the locals to be like that. And I suppose it's something that China's done for many, many years learn from the West and then take it further. So stay tuned. There's going to be some gun pilots coming out of China anytime soon. They're really progressing. Uh, but during my time at such an event, I've met people from all around the world, including Sasha Ciccone, Jace Ducier and his family. Uh, who else? Oh, great man, Ido Segev was always. He's the one that got me into it. He's no longer with us uh, due to an unfortunate accident. But Ido Segev, he's a legend and we had the best times over in China. Moral of the story is events are coming up plan for them get out there whether it's a jet event you know we've got the big wangaretta jets event that's been postponed i think to october but that should be on there's, there's shepherd and mammoth scale flying lots of events up in queensland uh out in south australia there's heaps western australia great community over there so basically all around australia there's some really really good events that are going to happen later on in the year so get ready for them So now to our special guest in Martin Brandmuller. Now, as I mentioned, Martin is a gun aerobatics pilot. First met him over at the China Top Show aerobatic event in 2017. Uh, and ever since then, we've become quite good friends. It, it, we've seen each other for the past three years at the uh, CTS competition. And what's been funny is we, when we see each other, we just continue where we left off. So he's a really good guy. Martin uh, has been competing for around 10 years in the aerobatics scene, especially in the IMAC and freestyle aerobatics scene. He's dabbled in pattern a little bit, but his claim to fame is that he's the current European extreme flying champion from the uh, EXFC event, which is pretty much the number one uh, freestyle aerobatics competition in the European region. So in the US, we have things like the Tucson shootout. We've had XFC over there, but in Europe, it's the EXFC. And to win it, you've got to be pretty damn good. And I'm telling you what, Martin is a gun of a pilot. Not only that, he's, he's an engineer. And he really understands how planes are supposed to fly. And he's very, very particular in what aircraft he likes and how he likes the aircraft to perform. So all the way from Vienna in Austria, I bring you my good friend, Martin Brandmuller. Well, it's a pleasure for me today to have a good friend of mine all the way from Austria, Mr. Martin Brandmuller, as I like to call him. Martin, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me here in this podcast. Now, Martin, you and I go back to 2017 China Top Show in Huzhou, China, and we've become good friends, haven't we? Yeah, of course. Uh, every year, I really enjoy having this great week in China, China, and uh, meeting you and having fun together. Now, you probably just heard Martin say China. Now, that started because of the Australian accent. He thinks that I say China is, is pronounced as China. So he'll, you'll hear him say things like noise in China. So I've been doing my best as a good Australian citizen to try to Australianize the Austrian. We, we're very close in countries, are we? Our, the, our, our names are very similar. So... You are a token Australian. Now, Martin, you are a gun aerobatics pilot, freestyle aerobatics, IMAC, F3A, indoor, you name it. When it comes to aerobatics, you are an absolute nut of gun. You are the reigning European XFC champion. Am I correct in saying that? That's correct because there hasn't been an EXFC last year where it should have been because it's usually every two years. So I, I can enjoy this position as reigning EXFC champion for at least two more years. So Martin's one of the, well, Martin's a gun. So, and that's why he gets invited to China. Now, tell me a bit about how you got into aero modeling. When did it all start? It's kind of a long story because um, my parents or my father 
never really um, did this hobby, um, contrary to most other people, I think. So um, my, my father and grandfather used to um, play with um, model trains and have them in their youth. And so that's what I did in my early childhood. And then I somehow realized it's uh, a little bit boring and I, I tried other things like RC cars first and then also the fascination for planes came slowly, um, starting with paper airplanes, um, free flight gliders. And then, of course, uh, you wish you to, to be actually in control of these planes. And I started flying RC when I was about 10 years old or so. And it was a little bit hard for me. I said my father didn't fly and I did not really know anyone who was an, an active RC pilot. So I really had to teach myself how to fly. And that was a very long process and, uh, of course, a very repair heavy process but um, in the end it worked and uh, from there on I started flying with two channel gliders like probably everyone else back in the days and yeah slowly um, started flying more serious planes and then got into aerobatics a few years later. So aerobatics is your thing what led you to aerobatics? Because every time I ask this question of someone that flies aerobatics, there's always a story to tell. What's your story about how you led, got into aerobatics? And if it's boring, please make it exciting. <laughs> no, I think it's just uh, the natural thing was, as it was for me back then when I was still flying the gliders, I was just trying around, uh, trying what to do, um, what I can do with, with these planes that, was not much back then, like doing loops and simple stall turns, simple figures, and um, you you have this this dream to do a little more, and you want another plane that can do a little more, and then you slowly get into this. And I thought it's just interesting to try new things, to learn new things, and that was um, the fascination of aerobatics for me, and that's what led me into this direction. Also, back then, this was 2005-2006, and back then, brand that was indoor flying and its shock flyers from Icarus that were started back then. This was a, a kind of a revolution because you had a, a really capable aerobatic plane for quite little money, and a plane you could fly everywhere and um, was quite cheap. So um, that's also what I what brought me to this because I thought this is awesome. You can practice everything with this plane uh, and it's cheap and it's not gonna cost a lot of money when I crash. And so I thought I need to have this and practice aerobatics with these things. So were there, was there anybody sort of at that time that you were that was mentoring you or that you were inspired by? You know on the internet looking looking at other people flying or you know how did you sort yeah, of really course, get motivated I, i've watched videos of of aerobatic competitions all the time back then and um, that's where i got the inspiration from to try new maneuvers and that was really the time when i really got this dream of of competing um at these top level competitions uh, which were back then the german acromasters or also these big competitions in the us like the xfc or the tools aerobatic shootout and i thought it would be really cool to be part of these competitions one day so that's where i really started to have this dream not really uh that i thought this could become true or in, in the near future, but uh, it was always a dream back then. And who were some of the pilots that were going around back then that you were looking at and watching? Um, of course, being from Austria, the biggest idol back then was Gernot. He was still, he's just one year older than me. So he, he was also really young back then, but he was one of the best uh, competition pilots in Europe already. And of course, being from Austria, he was the star and uh, the idol for for many people. And um, the other um, famous pilots back then were like Mark Leesberg, Jason Knoll, um, yeah, Andrew Chesky uh, from the US. And so, Andrew Sill yeah, and also from Australia. 
Ido Stegovic and, and Andrew Sale, yeah. But of course, Ido, Ido as well. I knew I knew him too back then, and watched his videos too. So yeah, yeah. That's a good thing about the um, the internet uh, that it really helped progress a lot of pilots because now they could could watch somebody and, and model themselves and learn you know new maneuvers from them. So I think the internet really helped people progress in um, in model flying. Now, were you on the simulator a fair bit as well back uh, in the early days and even nowadays? You know, what's what role has the simulator played? For me, it was not as important back then because uh, in my first um, years of, of practicing D and aerobatics, I did not have a simulator. I, as I said, I mainly used foamies, um, these shock flyers. I flew them almost every day in the backyard and um, that's how I practiced 3D. And of course, later I got a simulator, also did some practice for that. I found it very useful for setting up freestyle routines, but um, I'm not really someone who likes flying on the simulator a lot because it's um, it becomes a little boring, I think, after a while. They do. Uh, they do. Oh, look, I'm a big fan of simulators in practicing. But yeah, half an hour is probably about my limit. Then I need to step away. Then I can come back. But um, I've always enjoyed it. Enjoyed, or I, I see the benefits from simulator practice. Let's put it that way. Now um, you are an engineer, and uh, we've been hounding uh, Martin for years to finally finish his university course and get a job. And it's actually happened. Now, how old? How old are you now, Martin? I'm 27. 27, and he's finally finished university, and he's finally getting a job. You start a new job, what, next week? Next week, yeah. Yeah. Now, Martin's an engineer, so he's got an engineering brain. He hasn't got the, the sales and marketing brain that I've got, but we complement each other. I always say to, to Martin, less engineer, more sales. But he, uh, but so when it comes to talking about uh, the planes that we fly, I really value Martin's opinion because he, he brings that sort of engineering basis to to it so martin i've got i've got a bunch of questions that i want to want to ask you around um planes and um then after that i'll get into what planes are currently flying but when it comes to we're talking about aerobatic planes here because that's that's your thing what do you look for in a good plane now i'm going to break this down in different sections starting with the airframe what do you look for in in in, a, in an aerobatic airframe Um, I would say from just from from the perspective of me just looking at planes and um, trying to find out which could be a good flying plane, the things I look for is um, mostly a big fuselage side area always helps for knife edge, rolling circles and these things. Um, big control surfaces, of course, for 3D. Um, a long tail is always uh, quite good to have a stable flying plane. And what's also quite important, I think, is um, to have the the axis of the wings and, and the, the elevators and the engine, uh, they shouldn't be too far apart. This should be mostly on, on one line on in the plane. And that makes the plane roll very axial and um, yeah, um, makes the plane fly smoother and more neutral in, in all conditions. What models would they be? Extras, edges, yaks? What kind of thing predominantly do you end up sort of with? To be honest, all, all these airplanes we fly now are not really very scale. So they are all optimized for for this 3D um, aerobatics and the companies are putting different uh, emphasis on scale and or on, on optimizing for 3D performance. So you cannot really say that just like an extra is the best or an AYAC is the best or a Sukhoi because it really depends on how the manufacturer um, designs the plane um, and uh, how he kind of um, modifies the, the scale look of the plane to fit the 3D requirements more. So um, you can have, for example, an extra from one manufacturer can be a very good 3D plane and an extra from another one, maybe not so good, but look more scale. So you cannot really say, um, yeah, these planes are, are the better 
like full-scale versions of aerobatic planes than others. Yeah, okay. Now, uh, you talked about control surfaces, and I know you did modify some of your wings. So you're, you're not afraid to get in there and really modify your wings, as an example, to, to suit uh, your requirements. What do you look for in control surfaces? Because uh, I know you said big, but is there a limit to how big you can get? Yeah, there is actually there is a limit and there is um, kind of um, something in between which is optimal. Back then, uh, when I had this Hangar 9 Sukhoi, which was a very good IMAX plane, but for freestyle it wasn't really meant. And I only had this plane, uh, this was back in 2013, um, and the EXFC was coming up, so I thought, okay, how can I make this um, plane a good freestyle plane? So that's where I first decided to make new wings. And uh, I made um, new wings with foam core and alpha sheeting. And I really wanted big ailerons, so I made them really big. So I thought uh, I can always use smaller um, aileron rates uh, if, if it rolls too fast. And um, yeah, looking back, the ailerons were a little too big on that plane because it kind of um, makes the rolling more um, unpredictable and makes um, changing in, in rolling directions um, a little slower because um, there is a lot of inertia and everything. So um, then with the Extreme Flight Extra, I flew in the EXFC 2017. This was a stock plane where I modified the ailerons uh, to be bigger on the on the tips. So the aileron geometry of my uh, EF 104-inch extra is, uh, even though it's a V1 extra, it's quite similar, I think, to the V2 that's now um, yeah. offered by EF. That's yeah. right. That that Extreme Flight 104 extra V2 just really has the bigger, bigger ailerons and uh, slightly lighter weight, yeah. I think, as well. It's yeah. also lighter, of course, minus a V1 that's modified. It's, of course, it's uh, it has the same weight of the V1, yeah. but at least it has kind of the roll rate of the V2, yeah. That's true. Now, let's move on and have a look at, say, servos, because you've used various different types of servos, and generally you're flying 100cc size planes. So what what kind, what do you look for in servos? I don't know. First, I have to say there are there have been massive improvements in servos in the ten years I've been doing this uh, giant scale aerobatic flying. Um, back then, it was nice to have like a thirty kilo servo that uh, was had a um, a speed of about uh, I don't know and 15 for 60 degrees, and now these servos would be considered completely. Uh, false or, or too bad for, for these planes. So now I think there are so many servos that are really good, but um, this, these new planes also require quite a lot of uh, servo uh, force because of the big control surfaces. So for a new 3D plane uh, in the 100cc class, I would say should have servos with at least 35 kilos of, um, of torque. So uh, 350 Newton centimeters, and they should be fast, like uh, 0.1 for 60 degrees or so. Um, that's important. And also, of course, the precision, but usually all modern digital servos um, have good precision. And what's also, um, I think, helps is this full aluminum case that most modern um, high-class servos have because I remember back then a few years ago we had this plastic case servos they had very strong gears but the case uh, the, the bearings for the for the gear axles in the case in the servo case failed all the time so that's not a problem anymore with this full aluminum servo case yeah and the what about uh, the robustness of the gear train um, I know that our friend Edo Sega used to always complain about wearing out servos back in the day. How are they placed now? What are you looking for? I think most servos are quite good in this aspect, but I have to say I had some problems with my Expert RC servos uh, in this regard too, but they, the company um, noticed this problem and improved it and now they work really well. Um, it always... It, I mean, 
the servos got much better, but also the flying style of most pilots got so much more aggressive that these problems are kind of uh, reappearing, even though the servos have improved a lot. Um, but yeah, I think most modern good servos for these planes uh, have gears that last for a while and do not break or anything. Yeah. Okay, now let's move on to motors. You are using 120cc gas motors in uh, your planes. Um, you are a sponsored pilot by uh, GP. Now, GP is a brand that we don't see a lot of in Australia, but uh, their GP123 is a great motor. Now, what are you looking for in a, a good gas motor? I mean, of course, um, the, it's important that it delivers the power that's required today in freestyle. So, um, and uh, you always need to have a lot of reserves when you fly in moderate uh temperature like 20 degrees or so and no smoke and uh, a plane with um, no full smoke tank no smoke uh, additional freestyle smoke effects or so almost every engine is going to have enough power but if you're at a competition uh, it's over 30 degrees um, you have smoke you have a full smoke tank you have to smoke on which also always uh, decreases the engine power and you have uh, additional smoke effects on the plane for freestyle you really get into problems sometimes because that's just uh, the plane needs much more power and the engine can't deliver that in these conditions so it's always good to have a little more than you think you need when you first fly the plane yeah and how have the GP motors been for you? The, yeah, they are very good, very reliable. I've been using this uh, 123 um, since uh, for about four and a half years or so. They work really well. Uh, I had no big problems with this pro with these motors, no broken parts, no overheating issues. Um, they have good power, they have a nice throttle curve, which is also quite important. Um, and yeah, that's that's very good and I'm very satisfied with them. Yeah. Okay, now propellers. What propeller sizes are you using with your 120cc gases? Um, I'm using 2811 and 2812 props. So most people would think these are um, almost too big or bigger than what they use. But um, where I live in Austria and especially on, on my airfield, you always have to look for uh, keeping the noise as low as possible. So you kind of have to make some compromises on the power. But I have to say for most flying in freestyle, the engine still delivers enough power with the 2812 prop and you are able to keep the noise quite low which is very important to be able to fly anywhere without getting into problems with neighbors uh, from the airfield so yeah um, i but i thought trying different planes um in other countries uh, with different props i thought i found out that it's a little bit easier to fly a plane with a quite big um, low pitch prop and at the cps we had this 29.9 prop on sasha's uh, extreme flight laser and i thought it makes the flying a little easier because you don't have to play with the throttle all that much because the plane doesn't get very fast on the straight line with just nine inches of of propeller pitch but of course it's going to be very loud and that's not what we can fly here in Austria and anywhere else in the world. I just I flew my hundred uh, cc with a twenty nine by nine prop and uh, yeah, it makes plenty of noise. Uh, it, uh, it 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 definitely rips in the air. But it it you're right. It's it was amazing. You popped it into a hover and it was like you could almost hover yeah. at idle. It was you know just hanging there. So and and you don't have that top end speed as well. But uh, 29 by 9 is something that I've been using, but I'm about to try a 28 by 10. I had one sitting around, which I'm going to try on another plane. Now, let's that move on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying that to see, can do the comparison with 29.9. And of course, that plane will be a little bit quieter as well for some of the fields here in Australia. Now, CG, um, a shout out to uh, 
guy by the name of Pat who sent me a message about, um, he said, it'd be good if we could um, have someone talk about CG. CG, he was setting up a uh, an extreme flight laser, I think 30cc or something, he was having problems in getting the CG right. Where do you feel comfortable with your CG and your planes? I have to say, I've never been someone who really liked very tail-heavy planes. Um, it used to be necessary for 3D on older planes because they did, just did not have the control surface size to be agile with a more front, more nose-heavy setup. But fortunately, the newer planes, which are very extreme in their layout, very aggressive, they don't really need a, a very tail-heavy CG to be agile. So you can really uh, fly a CG um, that makes the plane fly neutral, uh, track very well, and you still have a very agile. But everyone just needs to find out what, what is most comfortable for him and what fits his flying style best. But I, I would not say like, for 3D, just put the CG far back and you'll be fine. That's not, not what how it works, especially in modern planes. You just try to find a CG where the plane flies straight, flies neutral. You don't have to put much down elevator in, in inverted, but the plane doesn't climb or by itself or so. So And, and it's going to be fine for 3D as well. So relatively neutral in your CG is the way you like it. When I mean that, you, yeah. uh, like you said, minimal... Uh, up elevator needed, or sorry, down elevator needed uh, in inverted. Yeah, you just have to find out what, what fits the plane too. I mean, some planes just don't snap very well anymore if the plane, if the CG is too far back. So you kind of, it's kind of a trade-off sometimes. You have to, uh, maybe you need to have the CGs uh, so that you need a little down elevator inverted. Uh, but the plane snaps much better and um, it's still going to be the best compromise for overall performance. Yeah. Well, the, it was, it's interesting uh, you say that because our friend Ido Segev also said this, used to say the same thing to me. He said, planes were designed to be nose heavy, not to be tail heavy. That's the way they're supposed to be flown a little bit on the yeah. nose. Um, what I've also find is with, with, with the guys uh, that are competing at a top level, especially in aerobatics, uh, you're very, very in touch with the performance of your aircraft. That's why I've asked you those questions. And it's also the same reason that with Flat Out RC magazine, I made Ido Segev the test pilot because he could really articulate what was happening with that airframe more so than the average uh, average pilot. Now, you're in that similar boat that you can really feel the performance of that plane whilst you're flying. When did that come to you, you know, that, that uh, being in touch with the, with, the, uh, with the aircraft and its performance? I think that comes naturally when you fly um, aerobatics with different airplanes and you kind of have a comparison. And when you just fly one plane, you don't know anything else. You just uh, think this is how all planes fly. But when you've tried a few different planes of different sizes from different manufacturers or so, you kind of know how they compare. And when you fly a new plane, you, you kind of uh, can judge it a little better. Yeah. Now, speaking of aeroplanes, what planes are you currently flying, uh, you know, in your hangar at the moment? I have many different planes. So I've built two new aerobatic planes for iMac uh, this winter, and that's uh, a 115-inch HA aircraft laser for iMac pattern flying and um, a Pilot RC slick, a 103-inch for freestyle. Um, both planes I haven't flown yet. I'm looking forward to doing the maiden flight, hopefully on this Friday, because that's the day when our airfields are going to be reopened. Oh, well done. And, Congratulations. Um, yeah. the, well, the, the, the 103 Slick, now that is the Pilot RC. You are sponsored by Pilot RC. Uh, that's a new yeah. prototype airframe, isn't it? The, the the plane I have is a, is still a prototype, which is very close to the final product production version, which will be out soon. And um, yeah, but it's still a prototype. It still has some prototype features, but um, yeah, 
it will be how the final production version is going to look like. And I'm really looking forward to flying it. I flown the, the first prototype at the CTS last year, yep. and I was very happy with the plane from the first flight. And um, yeah, looking forward to flying mine. Excellent. So they're your two main uh, planes for the season. Now, uh, you have flown a little bit of pattern as well. Uh, is that something you're doing this year as well or not? F3A, no. Um, I've, I've flown F3A for just one year. But I, I did actually like it. I thought it's it's just, it was, um, I, I started F3A because I kind of got a little bored with iMac for flying it for so many years and I, I wanted to have a new challenge. But then there was the announcement that we are going to have an European championship in Italy this year, which is postponed to next year now, and a world championship in Italy in 2022 so then i thought well these are now real goals where i can uh, work for in the future so i thought okay let's stick to imac for a few more years and then maybe maybe i'll start with f3a again maybe i'll keep flying imac but imac now got a lot more interesting uh, and bigger and that's why i'm staying with imac yeah okay now You've also uh, competed in indoor flying. What what category is that, and what does that involve? I've flown um, F F3P for for many years, and I'm still going to continue flying it. Uh, also, air musical and indoors, and um, it's really for me. It's it's a good way to kind of keep having a challenge during the winter where we. Flying outside is not really a pleasure in Austria, and um, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's uh, I think it's different because you don't have um, many. It, the conditions are always the same. The hall size may change, but you have no wind or anything else. So you really have to uh, kind of practice this program all the time. It's the same all the time, and you really have to work on these very small uh, mistakes you you're maybe still making and it's you really have to get very close to perfection because everybody's flying on a really high level in indoor because uh, as i said practicing is quite easy and um so uh, you, you cannot really afford to make mistakes so that's that's kind of quite the challenge in indoor flying yeah okay now, you have competed over many years. How many years now have you been competing? My very first international competition was almost 10 years ago now. It was in 2010 in Czech Republic. But I've also flown a few smaller uh, competitions in Austria before, mostly indoor competitions back then. But uh, that was my first really serious competition Seriously. was about 10 years ago. And yeah, when you talk, it's funny for us here in Australia, when you talk about international competition, you're just crossing a few borders. We have to get in an airplane and fly <laughs> yeah. a long way. I've actually spoken to, if, if, I've interviewed a few people that have uh, gone to scale championships in Switzerland and things like that. And they just talk about how hard it is. Imagine, Martin, if you had to carry your yeah, airplane I, on a plane to Australia. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a hard, it's a hard job. Now, um, so competing at that level, and, and you really have been competing in an elite level. Now, if, if anyone doesn't know, Martin competes at a level that would be equivalent to a top football star or something like that. We're talking about the upper echelons. So don't get a big head here, Martin, because I'm telling everybody how great you are at flying. But what? how much practice goes into being able to compete at that level? I don't know. I mean, I've always tried to practice on the field with the actual competition airplanes at least about twice a week or so but i think um practice with other airplanes can also be very valuable to keep your skills up so just try to fly as much as possible it's it's the most important thing if you just fly 3d with a small epp plane um i mean of course it's not the same as with the big plane but the the thumb movements are the same so um it just takes getting used to flying a bigger plane then so 
I think um, just just flying. Yeah, if it's on the simulator, it's also fine. If that's what if that's what you like, you should just fly on the simulator a lot. It really helps. It doesn't really matter so much that if you practice with the real competition airplane that much, just fly as much as possible. Yeah. Now, um, just speaking on the flying, you've probably experienced the change in 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 that freestyle aerobatics scene. And that movement away from sort of slower 3D flight to more aggressive flying. Uh, and I, I, I blame Jace the Ace Ducia for this. He's the man that I think really started to push uh, a lot of the limits with the aircraft. What are your thoughts on the, on the, the newer style of uh, more aggressive flying in freestyle? Yeah, I think it's awesome. It's just, it's, it's interesting because for me, um, like it was the time, and 20, 2011, 2012, uh, when I uh, got good good uh, competition results at top freestyle competitions, and I thought, okay, now uh, we've got we've reached uh, kind of the limit was what was imaginable back then, you know, and also the limit what the planes back then were capable of, and then came Chase Ducia and also Daniel Holman back then. And they they showed that you can do more with these planes. You can still evolve. You can still um, make fly more aggressively, make new maneuvers that were not thinkable back back then. No nobody thought of that. And now I think it's still evolving. It's still getting more aggressive. There are still more still new maneuvers getting invented, and it's awesome. I mean, I watch these videos of these play of these pilots all the time and try to to fly these maneuvers too to learn this too and um also try to get creative myself maybe also try to find new maneuvers new combinations so i think it's great what's happening in the 3d scene now so there's really still a lot of involvement uh, of evolution and um looking forward to what's coming in the next years yeah i think uh, even the planes have been have changed they've become a, a fraction lighter improve that power to weight ratio yeah. that gives you a bit more speed uh in, you know in, in your flight yeah. yeah remember we were sitting in china with ido and ido would saw we saw jace flying and ido said i could never have done that with my my aircraft they were just too heavy to be able to perform like that and yeah. uh but it was in, in interesting in that experience and we'll talk a bit about china now as well the experience in china together but uh remember in 2017 no 2018 we're in Suzhou, Su, Su, what's the name of the place we were in? I think it was oh, Suzhou. Yeah, Suzhou. Yeah. And and uh, Jace, the Ace Ducey was there, and and I watched you and Edo sort of change your flying style because we were getting influenced by Jace's flying. And by the time Edo had finished after the three days of flying, he was just flying more like Jace. And so I think you're you you're all capable of doing it. It was just that you were being inspired by what you were seeing there and then and flying a lot more aggressively. Now, our great mate, Ido Segev, he, he he was in an unfortunate accident a few months ago here in Australia in a mid-air collision and lost his life. And Ido, Martin and I, we were the three amigos in China and we have some of the greatest memories, which, you know what, fortunately, we've captured a lot of these, Martin, haven't we? We've got them on video. Martin features in the 2017 yeah. videos. Uh, he features in the 2018 Life in, on High Rates uh, video. In 2019, he was part of the Peanut Gallery, which consists of Don Dominic Gaisu and Sasha Ciccone and Martin Bramble. They are the official Flat Out RC Peanut Gallery, or as Martin likes to refer to me as, Fat Out RC. The times that we spent in China with the great man Ido Segev, what did they mean to you? It was really, really exciting. I mean, I, re I still remember the CTS 2017 it was probably the best week of my life because it was also new uh, being in China for the first time, so far away from home and just enjoying flying for for a few days, meeting you and Ido and just having fun. And uh, yeah, it was so exciting. And uh, it was uh, the the last the last two years. It was the same. We 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 got together again and our jokes were running. We had fun flying uh, and. Yeah, it was it was great. It was great times all the time in China. It's it's funny. I always found that uh, we would we say goodbye in 2017, and we see you in 2018, and we just continue where we left off. 
and we just keep on doing that. We just continue where we left off. And so it's a, it's a great loss to lose our mate Edo. You know, everyone over here in yeah. Australia has been pretty sad at losing the great man, uh, but such is life. But we'll continue waving that flag for Edo. He wasn't able to come last year. He was, he was double booked. He was in Thailand when we were in China. And he was. He actually said to me after he really missed it, uh, missed coming to CTS. But he he said he'd come again uh, the following year, which is not going to happen. And I don't know whether we'll be going to China this year with uh, what's happening with coronavirus. Probably not, I'd say. But hope to get 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 us back to get the peanut gallery back together again at some point in time. I'd say, and how good it was to have Sasha. Now Sasha Chaconia and you uh, have got a bit of history. You're good friends. You competed at the XFC together uh, last year. Uh, in the US and Sasha came to Australia after China and made a lot of friends down here. And when are you coming to Australia? I think I, I think that you should come for an IMAC nationals or something like that. I think it would be very exciting, of course. It's still kind of a dream for me to be in Australia once. Now I've been to the US, I've been to China. And and uh, really, I, I think it's awesome and it would be cool to, to be there once. But yeah, we'll have to see when I've got time for that. When, uh, yeah, Not anymore. when there will be a great competition. You're I'm certainly open for that. You're a working man now, Martin, as of next week. That's it. Welcome to the real world. Now, as <laughs> speaking of flying, Australia versus Austria, a very different environment. And especially in Australia, it's very diverse. Uh, you know, you can be up in the northern part of Australia and it's just you could fly all year round down where I am down in the south in Victoria it's uh you know it does get cold in winter what's it like flying in Austria it kind of depends I mean this this winter it was very unusual here because we did not really have any winter at all so we had snow it was snowing once once the entire winter and that was maybe one centimeter of snow so uh it was really possible to fly almost the entire winter it was cold of course sometimes but and windy and and rainy but uh, on the beautiful days i was flying all the time i think this winter because it was possible and so where I live in, in the eastern part of Austria, there is never really that much snow. So that's not really the issue. It's more like the wind, the cold, and maybe the rain in the winter. Uh, but um, yeah, of course, it's not really a pleasure to fly that much in the winter. So that's why we go indoor flying in the winter. But uh, it's also possible to fly outside when the weather is right. And we don't have a very strong indoor movement here. We've got pockets of it around um around the country, but uh, how big is indoor flying in, in Europe? It's not that big either in here in Austria. I mean, the country which has a, a very big indoor scene is France, of course, and that's why they are also very good at these international competitions, world championships. They've been team champion again last year. Um, and uh, that's where there's really an indoor scene with many competitions, many pilots. Here in Austria, we have about three or four competition pilots, and we have, uh, yeah, all, most of the time we don't have a single competition. Sometimes every two or three years we have one. So, yes, there are people flying for fun indoors, um, different places, that's true, um, and that's fine. But uh, it's not a really big indoor scene. It used to be bigger a few years ago when I started flying, kind of in 2010. There was really an indoor movement because indoor was still something quite new back then. And now it's kind of dried up a little bit. Yeah, okay. Now, oh, I think that's about it, Martin. Uh, I think we've covered everything. I think we know about the man, Martin Brandmuller. And uh, from my perspective, I consider Martin to be a great mate. Our times in China have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, Martin is always invited to go over to China. And you actually, you've been a few times. You've you've actually gone not just for the the China Top Show event. You've actually gone for demo flights as well, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I was. I've been to China a few more times, uh, which was very exciting. Was the Drone World Championships in 2018? I was invited by Franco Leo. Uh, again, and um, that was really a, a big event. They held this drone racing world championships in a big stadium in Shenzhen, 
and uh, we were invited to do a demo flight in the stadium with 2.2 uh, meter electric planes never having flown there before <laughs> it was quite exciting yeah but it worked we didn't crash and killed nobody so yeah. Fine. <laughs> no, so many good memories, Martin. I remember when we first met in 2017. Martin had never been out of sort of Europe, and uh, and let's just say his chopstick chopstick yeah. skills weren't that great early on, were they? But they definitely improved along the way. There's so many good stories, and as I said, if you haven't, if you yeah. want to see some of those stories, get onto the Flat Out RC YouTube because we have, I think, about four or so videos from the 2017 event. And then I've got the 2018 event, the Life on High Rates, one minute 25, sorry, one hour 25 epic movie uh, where Martin features in that, Ido Segev, Jace the Ace Ducia, and then 2019, a shorter video, back to a shorter video with just Sasha Ciccone, Martin, Dominic Aiso, and myself. So lots and lots of good memories all documented. So we've got, not only we've got Martin there, but we've also got the memory of our good friend Ido Segev there as well. Now, Martin, I just want to say thank you for joining me all the way from Austria. It's great that we've got the internet. We can stay in touch. And, uh, and uh, yeah, all the best. Uh, for he He's going to get a job. He's, we're trying to find him a wife. So if anybody out there is looking for a husband, uh, Martin Branwell is available. Just connect with me at Flat Out RC. We tried in China to, to, uh, to find a wife for him. But what happened, Martin, when we tried to find your wife in 2017? How quickly did you move away from the, you know, the, the wife zone into, what was it? You were a brother. Yeah, I think you even skipped the friend zone. You went straight uh, yeah. from the. Uh, she said, uh, she said, I like a brother. Yeah, you're like a brother. Oh, she well. said, I'm like a brother for. Well, there you go. It's not meant yeah, to be. That's brother well, things are looking up for you now, Martin. Mm -hmm. Though you got the new job. Uh, continue with the flying, and all the best in your. Uh, competitions this year hopefully you get some in around this coronavirus but all the best with the uh, upcoming competition season thank you yeah. well it's good to catch up with my friend martin brandmuller all the way from vienna in austria martin good to hear that ever since i've known martin he's been studying and he's been studying for a long time but now he's finally got a job. So I hope all is going well with his job. And that means less flying for my friend Martin. But he's prepared for that. But he still get out there every weekend, uh, no doubt. That's what he just loves to do is to go flying. So good luck to Martin and thanks for joining me. Now, as always, I like to feature a product. And today I want to sort of feature a range of products, a range of gas motors. And they're from my friend uh, down here in Melbourne, Mario Ages. And Mario represents RCGF Engines Australia. Now, RCGF Engines, what they are is they're a manufacturer of uh, petrol-powered motors, um, good old gases as we like to refer to them as, and coming out of China. Now, I first got introduced to these engines many years ago, and I've actually owned one and always heard nothing but great reports about these engines. And... Knowing Mario, Mario happened to be the, a member of uh, the club that I'm a member of. And so got to really understand the RCGM engines and how reliable they are and seeing them fly a lot as well at the club, uh, thanks to Mario and the many customers he's now got. But RCG engines, uh, RCGF engines, they offer a range of engines from 10cc to 120cc uh, size. So you know, down to that small size gas right up to the big 120cc gases. And I'll tell you what, they are really good engines. Uh, very, very reliable. They're, they're not, so they're making traditional engines such as that single cylinder kind of thing, but what they've, they've really led the charge in a lot of the smaller twin sizes as well. You know, they've got, I think it's a 20 or 21. I'm just going through their website now with their twin. They've got a 20cc twin. Now, we know what, what that means, that with that twin cylinder engine, less vibration, but 20cc, so we're talking about something quite compact here. And Mario told me that, that it, he sold a lot of them, of these these twins. Uh, now they've got a 26cc. I think they've got a 30 twin, uh, a 30, a 40cc twin. Uh, they've got a 35cc single cylinder, which we reviewed in Flat RC magazine. There's a good thing about Mario. He's all for the um, promotion of the brand and sharing the RCGF experience. And 
So every time I asked him for a motor for a review, he'd hand one over and we'd give it over to Brian Winch. So I'll get to what Brian's thoughts were. Uh, but 60cc size, great motor that is. A friend of mine's got one of these. He says they're corker of an engine. The 40cc twin. Now that was that was a great motor that they they developed a while ago. But they've got they've got a new range of motors called the Stinger, uh, which is their latest generation of design. So they've got a, a 40cc SE twin Stinger, as they call it. What I've found across the range is that they're actually on par with every other brand out there, you know, the, the, the DLEs of the world and uh, some of the other Chinese manufacturers. But their reliability is great. We don't hear that name a lot. You've got a 70cc twin. Didn't realise that. New 70cc twin. That's a really popular size now, that 70cc. If you notice how we used to think a 50cc size plane was big and then the 50cc became a 60cc size plane. And now we're grabbing 70s and putting 70cc twins in, into, into the almost 60cc size airframe. They, they got slightly bigger, but um, the, uh, the 60cc from the 50. But the, putting 70s in there just gives you massive amounts of grunt. But I'm always mindful of the weight. You've got to watch out with the weight. Uh, you know, that you don't overload the plane with too much weight up front because then you're just using the power to overcome the weight. Uh, the 120cc, that's another another great option. So the good thing about RCGF really, and I'm a big fan of this, is that if you're going to buy a motor, buy something that can be supported locally. And Mario does a great job at RCGF Engines Australia supporting the products. He loves the hobby. hobby. Like, you know, you meet those people that like flying, but Mario really loves flying and plays an integral part at, at his local club as an instructor and guidance and tuning engines and you name it. He's always hardly gets any flights and he's too busy helping people. But that's the kind of guy he is. He's a good bloke. And he always supported Flat Out RC. He doesn't know I'm actually recording this. So Mario, surprise. Your engines are great and you're a good bloke. And uh, thanks for supporting Flat Out RC too, by the way. But having dealt with him in the past, he'll back his engines. If something goes wrong, he'll check it for you. He'll get replacement parts. No matter what, if there's something wrong with the engine, he's going to help you out because that's what he does. And it's not as if he's just been doing it for you know a week or two. He's been doing it for a long time. Uh, many, many, ever since I've known him, which is probably at least eight years, he's been representing RCGF. And, and RCGF look after him really well. So it's a good model engine. Now, who, who, would I, who would I say should look at an RCGF? Well, scale guys, you've got great options. You know, now you can go and grab a twin and put that into your... Um, into your, your plane, reduce the vibrations through the airframe, uh, that kind of thing. You've got lots of options, even down to that 10cc size. I've seen some people grab grab the 10cc and instead of using a nitro, a small nitro, they're just putting the 10cc gasser in and lower the fuel costs. I don't know about you, it's hard to buy nitro nowadays. I know you can get it, but you've got to search a bit high and low to, to, to get nitro fuel. But petrol, of course, we know is, is a lot easier. So there's plenty of options there for the scale pilot to find an engine that's going to suit your project, whether it be a single or a twin. Yeah, when you get into that aerobatics, the 60cc, even the 120cc performs really, really well. I always found them quite easy to start. Uh, you know, I had an RCGF 32 or something, like a 30cc, it was an, a superseded model now. That was great. It was such a smooth engine. The first thing, time I ran it, I went, gee, this is really nice and smooth for, for a 30cc. So good engines. Uh, now I mentioned Brian Winch, the um, rest in peace Brian. Brian was, if you don't know who Brian is and you haven't read a magazine in the past 30 years, plus probably, uh, Brian Winch was, I believe he was the world's leader in engine reviews. He'd been writing for magazines for a very long period of time. And when you gave him an engine to review, he'd pull the thing down. Like he'd strip it down to have a look at the internal design to really give a proper review. And I doubt we'll ever find anybody else in the world that would want to do that. But he just loved model engines, literally loved model engines. Uh, actually, a lot of his collections on sale at the moment. If you get onto rctrader.com, could be .au as well, not sure, rctrader website, you'll see that um, his son's selling a few of his, his engines. I reckon they'll be... There's plenty more to come, I know that. But the RCGF 35 was something that Brian was the last engine that he reviewed, and he loved it. And I used to ring up Brian and say, be honest, tell me, is it good? And he goes, he said, Andrew, it's great. Really good design. And he said, look, I've always had good luck with RCGF engines. He's never never had any any issues with them, and but really, really impressed with their well-thought-out uh, design because he knew, Brian knew 
what made a good engine because he'd been there for years and seen the bad ones and then knew what was good as a result as well and in between had reviewed uh, copious amounts of models, OSs and Satos and you name it. And so his view of RCGF was that it's a really good brand and he always had good test results when he ran different props and uh, that kind of thing. So RCGF engines available from RCGF Engines Australia. Just look them up online. Web address is rcgfenginesaust.com, rcgfenginesaust.com. Ask, well, Mario's the man. He's the only man there. Mario's the man. Send him an email. Um, check out his website. You'll see that they're very reasonably priced. Very, very reasonably priced. So so take a look. RCGF Engines Australia. Can't say much more about them, but consider them for in your next project, which, of course, will always be another project. About to leave, already packing. Come with me, I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Episode 6 is coming to an end, and I'd just like to thank Martin Brandmuller once again for joining me. It, it's great, the internet is such a good thing. It was I think seven o'clock in the evening when I rang him in Australia and I got him at something like 11 o'clock in the morning. He happened to be free to have a chat and what a good bloke and just really enjoyed catching up with him. Also had a chat with him off air uh, to see how he's going, talk about his new job and what's happening in his life. So thank you, Martin Brownlaw. You're a legend. You're a good friend. I can't wait to, to catch up face to face with you sometime. He's looking forward to, he wants to come to Australia. We've got to work out how we can get him here, but anyway. He's starting a job, so no no holidays. Uh, so bad luck, Martin. Got to put some time in now to get those holidays. So once again, thank you for joining me. Uh, congratulations, we can all go flying again pretty much. I think I think in Australia now, everybody can fly at some level. So make the most of it, be nice to each other. Uh, we have a bumper episode coming up next week. Uh, a really big name is coming up. Uh, if I'll, I'll, I think I'll release the name for this one. Normally, I don't like to sort of pre-release who's coming up. But if you stay tuned on the Flat Out RC Facebook page or Instagram, stay tuned. I will announce uh, later in the week or maybe early next week uh, who the next guest is. But I'm telling you, it's probably one of the biggest names uh, in the hobby all the way from the US and had an absolute ball having a chat with him. I've already recorded it, so I know what he said. And you're going to love this interview that's coming up. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, episode six, the Martin Brandmuller episode. And look forward to to talking to you. Because I'm talking to you, you're not talking back to me. But anyway, I look forward to having you back. Listen to the Flat Out RC podcast. Don't forget, subscribe to all of our socials. Don't forget merchandise available at flatoutrc.com.au. And remember to subscribe to this podcast so you will be the first to get access to the latest episodes. Thanks once again.